Hey, I'm Matt Hudgens. He's Dave Mulvaney, and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? Doing good, Matt. How about you? Man, life's pretty good. A little, little bit overcast, but uh, the weather seems to broke out of 90 in October, which is kind of ridiculous. So now we're down to the 80s. Florida, what's that like? It's been rainy, so yeah, we're kind of breaking out of it. Doesn't mean we won't go back into it, but um, <laughs> similar. All right, so let's do uh, the four pillars revisited. Let's talk about the four pillars revisited. We're going to have a specially focus on real estate, right? So reminder, the four pillars, I talk about the four pillars, uh, building wealth as a business owner. You have a business owner which funds your lifestyle, so it generates excess income to fund your lifestyle. Then your business, not in any particular order, has even more money that it's your more successful, and you use that money to buy real estate and usually revenue producing real estate, not like a bigger house. Um, you use that money from the business to fund a retirement plan and you use that money to fund what I call an, a wealth accumulation account. So it's basically money you've already paid tax on. We want to have it over here. So that's your four pillars that help you build wealth or siphon wealth out of your business over the lifetime of your business. So let's talk today specifically about real estate portion. And so on the real estate side, the if we could pause for a minute, can I add something about the, uh, when you're, um, when you're building wealth in your business, um, the idea, the goal, of course, is to get your business where it's, um, and I'd say debt-free with an asterisk, because um, using the bank's money on- um, and Good and, debt versus bad debt, yeah. Yeah, good debt versus using bank money on a monthly basis where you're not tying up your own cash, but you're paying back debt at no interest, that there's nothing wrong with that, it's cool. Right. Um, right. But, but eliminating, um, bad debt, which is debt that at high interest, but eliminating that and then purchasing cash flowing assets. One of those cash flowing assets, of course, is real estate. You can purchase other companies and other, other things that make money. For instance, I'm going to use Michael Jackson as an example, probably the worst example, but he was the first thing that popped to mind. He purchased the rights to all the Beatles albums um, at, at one time. He owned all the rights to the Beatles music. Well, that's a cash flowing asset. So he took cash he had, or his business manager, took cash that he had and said, I'm going to go purchase this asset that produces income. And it's consistent income, solid income. I don't know that, in, that I'm going to be able to purchase the Beatles music anytime soon. But that is another asset besides real estate. But because you and I both have experience in real estate, we're going to talk about that because it is one of the pillars. And it can be a challenging pillar. And there's a bunch of noise out there, real estate gurus who very who make very little money in real estate, but make their money selling you, the non-guru, on their programs. So right. right. And so it's funny. So, so let's go back. So so on the real estate, the first most obvious thing would be your own commercial building. In other words, you're a business and I'm just going to buy my office building or where I operate out of. That's the most logical first place to look. Now it could be a standalone, it could be an office condo, it could be a uh, multi-unit. You know, I've got, I got guys that have, you know, they operate here and they rent out the other half of the building to somebody else. That's a great investment, right? Um, it can be. It can be, right. The more, the more doors, the better. Right. But the more doors, okay, so what I mean by doors, basically pe place people put a key in someone other, another tenant might be in that, in that door. Um, the, the great part about the more doors is, is if one is vacant, it, it doesn't cost you as much and you can be in your space for free. The downside is 
Do you want cash flowing assets, which is passive income, or do you want to manage people? Because of course, the more doors you have, that's the more checks you have to collect and those type of things. These are considerations you have to look at before you start investing in real estate because you want right. right. So. And then, so I work with a lot of dentists. I work with a lot of dentists and it's really funny. I can almost, I don't know what the percentage is, three out of four dentists have lost a million dollars in real estate. It's the most comical thing I've ever seen. And so they've got into other real estate deals that were not their office building, that was not their strength, that ended up biting them in the rear end and they lost roughly a million dollars a piece. It's really quite comical. So did you say comical or common or both? Com yeah, it's actually both, right? It's actually both. And so that's almost an example of going too far into that real estate, you know, area, you know, outside your expertise and not funding the four pillars. They could have easily done a better job of spreading it out. So, but now we're going to go into, let's just talk about some, so we're not telling you to go all in. We would never tell you to go all in in any one of the pillars. That's part of the purpose of the pillars is to have this diversification. So if one of the pillars real estate has trouble, we got the business and the retirement account and the wealth accumulation that can cover it for you. If the business goes bad, we got the real estate that can cover it for you. So part of it is its own diversification. We're not telling anybody to go all in on any one thing in particular. So if you're going to invest a million dollars in real estate, as one of your pillars. Um, I really feel that um, you start at twenty-five or fifty thousand dollars and use the leverage of real estate. Right. Um, and so that you're never in a position, like if you're gonna lose a million in real estate, it's because you've got uh, twenty-five or thirty million in real estate holding. Hey, diversified. Right. Um, it it I I can't fathom. Look, I've I've the most I've ever lost in a real estate transaction was a little over $300,000. Um, but at the time we had millions of dollars of real estate. So, um, and it, it was when the, you know, the market turned and, and that particular property never recovered. But that being said, I can tell you on many occasions, the reason I was able to lose that money is because I made money so many times in real estate. Right. You, you got to start small. You got to start small. And that and I agree with you a hundred percent. I would even say you got to start with your own office building first. You like got to own the box you're in. If, yeah. You got to own the box you're in and that's where you start and you get some experience. If it's something with other people involved that, you know, like you said, like more doors, that's great too. Um, so then let's go into, I don't know what, you know, I got a client right now um, just random, but also interesting, right? Where, bought the um, kid goes to college, when I mention the college, doesn't matter what college, and um, bought a duplex, right? So his kids are gonna live on one side of the duplex and they're gonna rent it out to other students and the kids will manage that and collect the check and that kind of stuff for them. Probably end up being a pretty good investment, at the very least a break-even type investment, right? The kids go there, they live there three out of four years, usually freshman year you gotta live inside on campus, right? And then you would decide after your kids leave college, do you keep that condo or not, right? Or duplex, I should say. There's a basic little example, right? No. So that's a good, okay. So let's talk about that specific example. And because you're more in the financial world, I, I, we're going we're gonna to look at this from two directions. So direction number one, your kids in college, you need approximately, let's just say 750 bucks a month to, to house your child in a box, okay? So you, that's $750 a month that you need. Now, if you're 
an investor and you've got money in your Roth IRA, you can't buy real estate and put your kid in it because that would not qualify for Roth IRA. Um, yeah, it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't qualify. So the question is, could your Roth funnel money into the 529? Is that even a possibility, Matt? If your Roth was making money, it cannot funnel across like that? No. So, so the flip side is that is now your, your son or daughter is the manager of your real estate and potentially could live for free. So what do you do when your son moves out or your daughter moves out? Right. That'd be exactly right. Then do you rent it out, continue to rent it out to other students and manage it yourself or have somebody else manage it? Or do you sell it? And I guess it depends on your personal situation. If you want to be in the rental business, um, it all depends on how you bought it. If you bought something that's worth 400,000 in a college town and it's cash flowing like crazy, hire a property manager and a good lawyer. Right. Because right. most college rentals, mommy and daddy are footing the bill. I say most, um, they're, if they're not footing the bill, they're involved. Um, you know, it's the old, uh, uh, there, there may not be paying all the bills, but they're certainly involved. And if you can get mommy and daddy to sign on the bottom line, your odds of not getting paid go, you got two people on the hook. You got the college student and mom and dad. Right. And that's how they do, by the way, um, when you rent an apartment in college. So I've got the freshman at Georgia. Uh, we're in the dorm right now, but we're already looking at apartments for next year or whatever. And that's what they do. They put the parents on the hook for the normal. So it would be normal for you to put the parents on the hook for your duplex in this example. That'd be a normal transaction. Yeah. Which I, my daughter is in at UCF and uh, same thing going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, same thing going on. Uh, the, the property values are inflated in the area. And I, I have chosen not to enter the real estate market where my daughter is. Okay. Um, mainly because I don't want to put that on my daughter. Okay. She's trying to, you know, focus on her studies. She's got to work. She's got sorority stuff. Put her in a landlord position and all of, all of a sudden you're not friends with your roommates anymore because dad's on your butt <laughs> to collect the rent <laughs> and it's not, it's not as much fun. Um, depends on how affluent the roommates are. Parents are how affluent the roommates parents are. Yeah, collecting paychecks is a pain in the rear. Rent yeah. checks is a pain in the rear. Uh, but with this new thing, new app called Venmo, by the way. Um, so we're renting the box. We're renting the house, my wife and I, and we're renting out, the other two rooms to two other of her roommates. And okay. I just get, I get the money on my phone. Oh, that's pretty good. Usually on the first. So yeah, yeah, it's in here somewhere, but then I'm able to transfer it right to our bank account. So it's been working pretty well, uh, making me almost rethink the, do I want to own in a college town? Right. Right. Which is, which is an interesting concept. Like you said, we were talking with one of my clients who actually just did this, right? I was just telling you about that. So I have a client that did this four or five, six years ago, and he ended up keeping it and actually let the kids continue to manage it because they stayed in the college town. The kids did. Um, I've got one right now who just bought the condo like last month, you know, whatever, beginning of this school season. And his idea was, even if I just break even, you know, that'll be fine because I'll be, paying, you know, my kid's going to live there and somebody else will be paying us rent. And if the market even just stays flat or slightly appreciates, that's fine. I basically, my kid got to live somewhere for college for free. That's an interesting concept. 
I'll share another one. My, uh, I've had clients who've done this, including my aunt and uncle, this is kind of funny, who bought rental property when the kids were younger, right? And then here's an interesting philosophy, which you'll probably disagree with, but interesting in that their philosophy is they bought the rental house, they buy individual houses, right? That was about break even when they bought it, you know, plus or minus a hundred bucks, not huge cash flow. But over the 10 year period, 15 year period, the rent increased. So it became cash flow positive in a very short period of time, you know, one year, two year, three years, because you were able to escalate the rents, right? Then when my cousins, so one of them is my cousins, I've also had a client do this. Then they just either sold the house to pay for college, right? Or borrowed money out of the equity to pay for college. And then obviously the rent was now covering that new mortgage amount. Interesting strategy. I've had my aunt and uncle do this. I've had uh, three clients do that. Give me your thoughts on that little strategy. Well, it's a, actually, it's a really good strategy, especially if you're behind the eight ball. Because what you're using is you're using appreciation and leverage to, um, to come up with college money that you may not. Okay, so my kid, let's, let's just say you're in a panic. My kid's going to be going to college in 10 years. So they're, you know, eight years old now. I have no money put aside for their college. I have about 10 grand saved. What am I going to do? Well, you buy this piece of investment property, so now you've leveraged your 10 grand. You buy a $125,000 piece of property, you put your $10,000 down, it, it, whatever. Um, right, right. It, and now you've got this piece of property. That property appreciates and now is worth, let's just say, $160,000 10 years later, or even more. Well, now you can, like you said, sell the property, refinance that property, and take your equity out. Now you've got more. Now you turn that $10,000 into $60,000 over a 10 year period of time, which is a pretty six times return. Right. right. Do that in, in most markets. Yeah, so do that in most markets. So yeah, that's exactly right. the eight ball and you are in lacking time. Real estate does offer that leverage opportunity that you couldn't get in most other. No, you're, you're exactly right. It's, and I think that's what, that's what I wanted to point out. And I don't, Real estate is a leveraged transaction. So, so in that example, which is a great example, by the way, you put $10,000 down and you get 60,000. But it's because you were leveraged, you know, 90%, 80%, right? If you would have done that in the stock market, which you can't, and I would not recommend, you know, put 10,000 in the stock market, but you buy $125,000 worth of stock, right? Those you are called get, options, right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much right. That's very high risk. I would not recommend it. That's what oh, I'm saying. No, we, I don't recommend that. But you also have to appreciate that, that, that the reason those returns are available is because of the leverage there. It's not like you put in 10,000 bucks and you got 60,000. It's put in 10,000, you're on the hook for $120,000 loan that if things went bad, you're on the hook. But if you do it right, it works out in the favor, but it's, it is a leveraged play. There are risks. So we don't want to tell anybody there are no risks. We were talking about that before we got online. Let's pause for a moment. I, this, this is a, a methodology that I use to buy real estate all the time. You want to talk about Total leverage. Let's say you're in that same position. I got 10 grand. I want to buy a $200,000 house. No bank is going to loan you on a $200,000 house when you got 10 grand in hand. Right. But there's many sellers who want out of that house. So you can say, look, I want a five-year option to buy this house. I'll give you $10,000 and then I'll pay, your, I'll pay your mortgage on that house for the next five years. And I'll give you this 10,000 bucks. So your 10,000 is 100% at risk. And sometime in that five-year period of time, you've got to refinance the house or sell the house. So let's say in that 10-year, your $200,000 house, you owe one ninety dollars on it, right? Because you put right. $10,000 down. Your, your $200,000 house, let's say it appreciates to 
the $275,000 in that five years, now you can sell it, refinance it, do whatever you want, because now you've got your money, you, but you took $10,000, 100% at risk, but you took an option to purchase that house. And those are the ways I've pretty much done the last six years, almost all option buying. I do a little bit, like with my, I say I do a little bit. If I have cash, I pay cash for the property, and then I, I finance it on the other end, which is another way to make money in real estate. But that's very risky for some people. So if you don't want to be at risk, get the option with zero down. Then you've got nothing at risk, which is, by the way, I, what I do almost inevitably every time. Right. Zero down options. Right. And that's good. These are very advanced techniques, right? So it's like, like you said before, we're kind of working into this. Buy your box that you work in and then maybe consider buying another rental property, whether it be residential or commercial. You might get more advanced and start thinking of these lease to purchase or these option ideas, right? Which are awesome, right? But it's not like we're telling you to go do that one first, right? It's like, you got to kind of ease into them. Wouldn't you agree? I would never recommend, like you said, I don't, how does a dentist lose a million dollars? You can't, I don't care what investment you go into. If you go into any investment, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks, whether it's bonds, it does not matter. If you enter a real estate as an investor and you're a novice at it and you just throw money at it, you're going to lose money. I don't care because the person on the other end who's receiving that money knows you don't know what you're doing and they're going to take that money and they're going to scam you out of it. Scam is a bad word, but if you lost a million dollars in a real estate transaction, you got scammed. So now this is actually good. So, so how do you view the world? Okay. And so how do you view a real estate investment? I'm going to ask you this question. And how do you view any type of business investment, uh, stock investment, but let's really just focus on a real estate investment because that's our topic now. Right. And so I learned this through my own experience and through some client experiences, right. In that the way I view the world is almost, uh, what's the downside? Right. So usually if you, if a real estate guy is pitching this deal, Oh my gosh, you could buy this thing for 120. It's going to be worth 200,000 in the next three years. Right. He's selling you what I call the upside, the dream. Right. First That's question to ask when somebody's selling you the upside, why aren't you staying in it? If it's that good. That's, that's a great way to view it. Right. My view goes into the opposite, which is what is the worst case scenario if this doesn't work out? And if I can live with the downside, then the upside takes care of itself. In other words, in that scenario, we bought this house for 125,000 and let's say it doesn't get to be worth 200 grand. Am I going to be okay with that? What is the worst case scenario? Uh, we bought the house, we rented it out. The tenant didn't work out. So I had to get another tenant, but I could probably replace the tenant, do a little bit of repairs. Uh, I know that over that three year, five year time period we're talking about, I'm probably going to be okay, right? That's, that's the worst case scenario in that situation, right? Um, we bought a house. We thought it was going to appreciate it 200. Didn't really, but we're still getting rental income and we still got time and it kind of took care of itself. I wasn't counting on that 200,000. I was counting on the worst case scenario if the tenant didn't work, tenant didn't work out and I had to refinance, sorry, uh, repair it and rent it back out. That's how I view the world. Don't listen to the, promises, like you just said, well, if it's so great, why aren't you doing it? Start viewing it. What's your worst case scenario? When you're buying a, a piece of real estate, what's the downside? So if you, I just bought my house a year ago, I got a pretty good price. 
I did some renovations. So at the very least, I know in the next five to 10 years, I'll at least get my money back. We're pretty sure I'll get my money back. That's kind of my worst case scenario. I live in a, in a nice in, uh, neighborhood that is uh, desirable. So I don't see markets crashing 50% like they did. In, you know, and I don't believe a house is an investment. I really don't. Um, I'm very different. I totally agree with that, by the way. My personal house is not an investment. Your house is not an investment. Um, it's right. a, it's an expense. I don't care if you own it free and clear. You're still going to pay property tax. You're still going to totally pay. Totally agree. So yeah. it's an expense. I have no problem if, uh, like, where a person is renting their house, but they have all these investment pieces of property because those are investments and your house is an expense. And I know Grant Cardone does this. Grant Cardone, uh, he rents, like, mansions all over the place, but when they need repair... He's not the one repairing them. I think that's awesome. That, that goes back to a whole other owner. You know, it, do you even need to own a home nowadays? There are all kinds of articles on that, that maybe you don't need it. Maybe you can rent it, that kind of stuff. Because I totally agree with everything you just said. It's not an investment. But, all right, so if you're looking at a piece of real estate, tell me how you evaluate. So the first thing, oh, well, the, the, the way I evaluate property, and this is, this is probably the most valuable thing that I can teach somebody about real estate is I, I pull um, the sales in that area and I take the low price per square foot, the average price per square foot, and the maximum price per square foot. And then I take the square footage of the house that I have, I multiply it by the minimum, average, and max. And I know that's exactly where any appraisal is gonna fall. If it's in above average condition, it's gonna fall somewhere between average and max. Max is gonna be a brand new house, but it's gonna fall in that range. And so like you, I look at, Okay, minimum price per square foot. That's the worst that could happen. Right. And then, so if I'm, if I'm buying an average house, I want to be both somewhere between the minimum and the average price when I'm buying. To make money in real estate, you don't have to buy so far under market price. You can, but it's really tough right now. Very competitive market. And it's very, it, it's very complex. So you just want to be under today's price and be able to live with the downside. And the one, the one good thing about a real estate investment is real estate will, will go up and it will go down. And as long as you hang on long enough, do you know why the farmers in America, when the commodities exchange was created, why the farmers were able to do so well? Because they were able to, they, were, they could tell, all right, cattle is going to be an awful crop next year. So they were able to invest in the commodities market banking on prices to go down, shorting the market. And they, and because they could wait long enough because they have the capital on hand, they could wait long enough for that market swing to happen. They can make money on the commodity, lose money on the cattle. Well, it's the same thing here. If you're going to be in real estate and you can be in long enough for the downside to swing, it's always going to swing back and you'll be okay. It's the liquidity is not there. It is not a stock where you can liquidate right now. Right. And, and that's where you, you have to, that's why it's one of four pillars. Right, exactly right. It's, it's not a liquid pillar, um, but it is a, a really solid foundation as far, to, as far as part of the foundation of investing because as a long-term play, it'll appreciate more and offers more leverage than any other pillar. You're, and it's not about that. It, you know, Mark, you broke up there a second, Matt. Hang on. All right. Okay. All right. Back in business. All right. And it's funny when you say that about the, you know, the market's dip, 
there's a great article out right now that, that talks about, um, literally, I think the title was, uh, sorry, millennials, um, waiting for the next recession to buy your house is going, is not going to work out for you. And it was interesting. And so real estate has a good long-term average of consistent returns. I don't know if it's 3%, 5% a year, whatever that number is, but it's good steady Eddie. That doesn't sound like much, but then when you're leveraged, like you talked about, you only had $10,000 and you're getting a 3% return on that 120. That's a big deal, right? To be but sure. the second part of that was during the last recession, you know, which I b believe that was a hundred year flood, you know, eight, nine and 10, we had the markets go down 55% peak to trough. We had real estate prices go down 50%. Some houses, some uh, commercial real estate, you're buying stuff for pennies on the dollar, right? But that was an unusual circumstance. This article talks about in a typical recession, housing prices stay flat or are only slightly down, like a 10%, like a 7%. That, so apparently there are millennials that are dual income families that are saying, hey, I'm just gonna wait. We've been in a bull market for 10 years, recession's gonna happen. Man, I'll buy my real estate then because it'll be 50 cents on the dollar. And the whole point of this article is saying, no, you just remember that because that's what happened last time. But that last time was the hundred year flood. And the next so, recession will be a shallow recession that will be, you know, flat prices to slightly down home prices. You, you aren't going to get 50 cents on that all. We're in that shallow right now. Um, yeah. Prices have leveled. However, let's go back to the recession of 08, 09, 2010. If you bought property in, in 2009, I'm sorry, in 2000, and you had that same property in 2015, it's almost like three and a half percent a year appreciation. Yeah, exactly right. You didn't sell during the crash. And up and then this giant swing down, which looked like a recession, but not if you were in it in the, over a 15 year period of time. Three That's to five percent every year, you can, you can track it on almost any real estate transaction. Um, and here's the thing, you cannot run after a moving train, you'll get run over. If you want we, 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 by the way, we had a saying for that. You never catch a falling anvil. There you, you go. Know, unless anvil, you're a, like road a runner. coyote, right? Well, yeah. uh, never catch a falling anvil. So yeah, you can't catch a falling anvil it, because if you think you're going to predict millennial, I'm, I'm just picking on the millennial because yeah, yeah. that article was written to millennials. If you think you're going to predict the next bottom, there's a lot of smarter people in real estate who aren't trying to predict the next bottom. What we're doing is accepting the fact that the market goes up and down, but it's a long-term play. Um, it's like, you know, I've been, uh, I'm writing an article about solar uh, for residential homes. Uh, we got working with a client, a copywriting client, and it's a long-term play. If you're gonna buy solar, you, you're gonna be in it 25 years. You really shouldn't buy solar if you're gonna sell your house in the next five years because you won't even have your money back. But if you're gonna be in your house 20 years, now you're talking about tripling your money on, on an investment. So it's a long-term play. Real estate is really a long-term play when your business is solid, you've paid off your debt, you now have money to move over here and say, hey, I'm, I've got this cash reserve. I'm not gonna use it all for real estate, but I'm gonna start, A, I'm gonna buy the building I'm in for my business. I'm gonna rent it back to my business. So now yeah. my so business- tax benefit to that and all yeah. that stuff, yeah. So now my business is cash flowing this, and then I'm gonna use that to buy other investment real estate, and I'm gonna keep growing this cash flow. The point behind it is cash flow that I now have cash flow from all these other places that are passive. And what does that mean? 
well, passive income is 20% income tax versus active income in your business. If you make above a certain amount, you're paying 35% income tax. That's a right. big difference. Those 15 points mean all the world. 15 points, you can buy cars and, and boats and toys and all these other things on those 15 points alone. Right. You right. don't have to. You can give to your best charity, too. Um, you can give 10% to the charity and still buy the car, maybe a smaller boat. <laughs> that's pretty good. No, no, you make a great point. That, I think that's, that's pretty good. We, 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 I think we've been on here right about our time. Yeah. That, um, so our four pillars were you have a successful business. Most people just think of it as one pillar. I got a big business and one day I'm going to sell it and I'm going to be great. And nobody comes around and offers you $10 million for your business, but you can, by putting the four pillars together, accumulate the wealth. The pillars are the business, the business funds your lifestyle, excess cash flow you use to buy real estate. That's investment real estate we talked about. Could be your, mainly we suggest you start with a box, then you might get into rental properties. You should also use the excess cash flow from the business to fund your retirement, start retirement. There's tax advantages to that where you're being able to save money and not have to pay any tax on it. And then there's this money, kind of your, your I call it your wealth accumulation account, but it's kind of your investment account, your here's where I put money that I don't need today. And it's also your reserve account because if you get in trouble, you're not take, trying to liquidate your real estate. Right. And that's, investment that's the point. With these four pillars, you will always have four sources of income, right? If you need money for the business, you could borrow that real estate. You could borrow from your wealth accumulation account. You could borrow from your retirement account. I don't recommend it. Uh, if you need money for your real estate, you could get money from your business. You get money from your wealth accumulation account. You could get money from your retirement account, right? So part of having the four pillars is you're always going to have cash on hand when one of the four pillars is kind of hurting, you know, stock market corrects, right? Well, your wealth accumulation account and your retirement account are down, but your business and your real estate are still doing okay, right? Uh, use that cash flow to, to buy when things are in sale. Same thing, the real estate markets collapse. Well, for a great time to buy, use the business cash flow to buy more real estate, right? Or to, or to fund it up. So part of the idea is that that's kind of diversification and in action. And I just want to broaden their horizons that, your business isn't just your business, man. You've got, as a business owner, you have the power, these resources at your disposal to, to fund these four pillars. If you work at the bank, you don't have this. You got, a, you got an income and you can put some money in a 401k. That's kind of it, right? Those are your options. Now you can start to invest outside of that, but right. most people's lifestyles are exactly what their income is. Whereas in a business, you, um, you, you, you can... Tend to yeah, you can apply the leverage to the business and we can, it's kind of what we do in our coaching is we'll teach you how to make more money. And not only that, we're going to teach you how to make more money. We're going to teach you how to keep more money and what to do with the money that you're able to keep. And, and then build wealth. I mean, that's why we call this the show Profitability MD is because these four pillars, if, look, if you don't want to manage your money, you're, you're, you're dependent on somebody else, you're never going to have all the things you want in life. But if you'll learn to build these four pillars, you're, you're building like a, you're a mutual fund in yourself. Right, right. And that is the best mutual fund you'll ever build because you're in control of the fund. It's the Dave empire. It's the it, Matt empire. Yeah. You're building your own little empire. And that's what you're trying to do. And it doesn't, I mean, your empire doesn't, doesn't have to make you Bill Gates or a Warren Buffett, but your empire um, may allow you to be a multi, multi-millionaire and drive an F-150 and that's good enough. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, man, tell us uh, where we can find you. Well, you can find me at davidmulvaney.com and you can 
connect with me on LinkedIn um, at David Mulvaney. I'm uh, thinking this is episode 42, by the way. We are now on Spotify. You can find us, yes. our, our podcast, Profitability MD, will be on iTunes very soon. Matt, where can we find you? Yeah, so uh, I got Matt Hudgens over on LinkedIn, and then I've got uh, 10xprofitblueprint.com, and check out uh, the backslash guided tour. So guided I've got tour. these uh, videos that you can watch that takes you about uh, everything you know about marketing is wrong. So 10xprofitblueprint.com backslash guided tour like ed g-u-i-d-e-d guided tour so check that out need little videos that go along with this and like we said we just got up on spotify uh itunes is going to be getting our approval sometime in the next week we got the youtube channel profitability md subscribe to the youtube channel and and click the bell that way you uh, get notified so. that'd be awesome now we're going to need reviews on the uh, podcast too give us a review at spotify give us a review on itunes every little bit helps all right matt all right man be take good care. take care